Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello and welcome to the Examination Podcast. The swords are hilted this week and the reign of a new era begins. Hello, my name is Quentin Emler and I'm joined this week by Kelsey Strutz. Enjoying the orange. <laughs> and my my man, Dane Rainier. Let's get down to some council business. Oh, well, you know, anybody can do it. So uh, let's jump into the, uh, the comics this week. We got Hellions number seven and X Factor number five. We're looking forward to both of those. Both really good. Uh, whoa, buy them, whoa, buy them, whoa. buy them. Spoilers, they're good. Big That's what we'll leave it at. Before we get deep down and, and break them down with our recap, so let's hook up the Cerebro and see what's new in the world of Marvel. And in a relatively slow news week, I, there's a few things, but I don't like doing things that aren't official. Um, so I did want to talk about one thing that actually is official, and there's two kind of stories revolving around Daredevil. One, film rights went back to Marvel Studios. It's kind of exciting. That is. I'm surprised, yeah. actually, that it's been long enough for that to lapse. It feels like the gap between Daredevil was bigger from like the movie to the TV show than the TV show to now, right? Maybe I'm wrong, but... You yeah, know, I, I, it's I also know. possible the movie studio that lapsed it to the TV show had a longer deal than Netflix itself with a TV show might have had itself. That like, may it, may, it may have had less of a it, licensing agreement. It also wouldn't surprise me if part of the deal is like a cascading thing, that as time passes, your gap becomes less and less. Yeah, oh. that, that could be, or maybe the film and television rights are separate. I, I don't really yeah, know. I'm not sure. Well, that that is probably more likely as... You know, you do get, you know, well, it's how you're able to produce a movie at the same time uh, someone else is producing a TV show of the same nature, all a Spider-Man or something like that, you know, because there were Spider-Man cartoons going on during the 20th Century Fox Spider-Man era. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, There's also uh, Chick Daredevil now. Got a female Daredevil. Uh, and that is none other than Electra taking over a while. Once again, I believe, uh, what's his name? Matt Murdock is in prison again. Yeah. I just can't dodge it. That lawyer spends more time in prison than, uh, I and don't know, clients. other lawyers. It, it is an ironic character to have in jail so many times. And to be fair, he's also been possessed by demons and stuff. Like he, he has other ways that he's like out of commission. Yeah. So um, another thing is they started shooting Hawkeye. Uh, you'll be excited to see this day and that, uh, I'm not going to like put the clip on here or press that, but it seems like pizza dog and Hawkeye, the girl are in the, the show. Oh, hundred percent. Sweet. I like yeah. pizza dog is news to me, but it was, I mean, it doesn't necessarily surprise me though, because even the, the icon artwork and stuff that we've seen have very clearly been homages to fractions run, which I I don't say it enough because this is an X-Men podcast, not a Hawkeye podcast, but that is an exquisite comic. Even I mean I go read it. That that's all I'll say. It is so it's good, maybe yeah. the best. Um so speaking of the best, uh a firm called NRG who does um they just like figure out uh public consensus on things and they they find public interest through surveys and in a, over, I think it was 3,000 people, random population survey, they surveyed to see which franchises are the most uh, lucrative and the most like sought after, like on public conscious. And uh, number one was Mandalorian, which I think has had a real hot streak here since uh, season, like basically that show is just really well produced. But uh, 70%, which I guess this includes Mandalorian, of the properties were Marvel or uh, Disney. 70 yeah, that doesn't shock me anymore. I mean, not only because the quality of production being created by these separate Disney studios, but also sheer amount. I mean, what Disney has in licensing rights is baffling. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I mean, obviously, it was mentioned the acquiring, uh, you know, when they got Star Wars, when they got 
Marvel, that some of the other Marvel stuff has come back to them since then. It is a large portion of uh, what's being a, made. The, the Aliens and Predator stuff, that's yeah. under Disney's umbrella now. Yeah. It, the, of the top five, uh, we've got Mandalorian number one, Avengers, no surprise there, number two, uh, three Stranger Things. I'm also not terribly surprised by that. Uh, four John Wick and five Black Panther, six Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and then if you yeah, go, that, that that fits, that works. And then even if you keep going, going through like the the double digit range, nine is Spider Man, Spider Verse, ten is Black Widow, ten. Holy moly! It's a movie that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. But I think that might add to it because people know it's out there. Right. They, they know there's a movie, so families are talking about it more. But, I mean, it's a top ten, and it hasn't come out. Yeah. And then, if, if, I mean, firing off of that, Deadpool's 11, Thor is 12, Iron Man's 13, Doctor Strange is 16, which I wouldn't have expected. Yeah. Spider-Man is 17. I mean, Wait, Spider-Man's in there twice? So Spider-Man well, into the Spider-Verse, and then, then Spider-Man. Correct. So, I mean, it is just dominating the run of the top 20. Yeah. Also, Deadpool, by the way, I would say representing Krakoa, but eh, gets no love from the mutants. I, I did want to say, by the way, just because well, I think you said, Quentin, it was a survey of 3,000, which is, you know, not a great sample size. It was over 300,000. So it was oh, a larger yeah. sample size than that, meaning that it is, you know, it should be lent at least. Wait, some- wait, wait. Did you get those votes? After the election, who, who can say? <laughs> did they mail those votes in? No, no, it's January of nineteen is when it started. Oh, oh okay. okay. Well, yeah, like like the election. Yeah, there you go. Hot takes. Well, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, we haven't done a crucible segment in a while, and as I was searching for news in this relatively slow news week, I came across a what do you call it? A splat article. Um, just one of those that they said. Uh, that the Marvel is replacing Loki with Mr. Sinister, that he is, for all intents and purposes, the Loki of the X-Men. So I thought it would be fun, maybe as a fun exercise with the panel of uh, people who have been heavily involved with Don of X. Uh, who are the uh, larger Marvel, Marvel Universe versions of the X-Men? So the first one I have is, who is the X-Men's Captain America? Kelsey, who would you say... The X-Men's Captain America is. De- depends. I mean, do you mean who is the most prevalent or? I mean, like I said, ca- it, you, how do you okay. interpret it? Cyclops. Done. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I don't even argue that. I think that 100% he's the Captain America. They've always yeah. been, to me, the counterparts. They're the ones who get along the most, too. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, they do the, I respect you, but rah, 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 rah. Yeah. I don't know. Some of my most iconic moments of the two of them. Oh, are... you can't you can't count terrorist Cyclops. I I absolutely can. That is Cyclops. That's terrorist mm. Cyclops. That's Al. That's been Cyclops. brainwashed out of him. He don't remember that. <laughs> All right, uh, Dan Clops. Who Dan is Klops. the X Men Thanos? Uh, it's not a great comparison. But my thought is just Magneto. To me, it's an icon- it's the iconic. Eh, eh, I, I would go Apocalypse. I think I'm with Kelsey on this one. You, you're right. I mean, it in the sense of yeah, I, yeah okay, you're right. I'm going to change my answer. Magneto might be more of like the Ultron, where he like almost came from them. Like they're you know like they created him. Like they, I'm they have totally connection. thinking of it as when I think of an X Men villain even though I don't think of him as a villain anymore. I, I think Magneto. And yeah. that's probably not exactly the same as Thanos, but the movies have kind of brainwashed me, and because I haven't read as many Avengers comics as I have X-Men, he's who yeah. I would think of as enemy number one. The big bad for the Avengers. Yeah. Um, It's funny, because the modern era of Avengers is almost... Civil War is such a big factor for me. And, like, the way that that played in the new Avengers and stuff, it almost feels like I don't think of them as having, like, a set bad guy. Yeah. It's more of the internal strife. With yeah. They really don't anymore. But part of that is because the amount of big bad guys they have had. Yeah. Okay, so, Kelsey, uh, who is the X-Men's answer to the Hulk? 
Hmm. I'm not saying Juggernaut. Um, not going. You know what? From a rage rage aspect, I'm gonna go with Wolverine. I can see that. Um, only because he has he has at times, especially in his early issues, he has been a bad guy. And to also be fair, he is also his his first issue, I believe, is a Hulk. Dan, you think Wolverine's the the equivalent? There are parts of it that don't fit exactly, but it would have been my answer too. Yeah. It's I was kind of, thinking, what about Jean Grey? Um, what? Oh, Phoenix. he's thinking of like like the team member who also turns out to be the most powerful individual they have to stop at a certain point. Yeah. I was just like, she's the most Dark powerful Phoenix. that they have, but also like potentially the most destructive to the team. Just sort of a, the, the volatile ticking time bomb. Like yeah, Jean kinda. Grey, okay, idea being Jean Grey is Bruce Banner, Dark Phoenix is Hulk. Yeah, I guess I can kind of see that. I, I don't know why, though, to me, Wolverine's... I don't think it's, like, a wrong... I, I think I mean, when you feel tonally... Like, I, I get what you're saying, because when you watch the Avengers movie, like, Wolverine could do the part that the Hulk does. But right. the, the, emotion, the emotional aspect of both Hulk and Wolverine are similar in that both of them are trying to kind of... Or Banner and Wolverine, even, be left alone. Like, they yeah. know that if they are involved in society too much something bad happens. Yeah. Who's the uh, X-Men's Captain Marvel? Um, The Storm? I, I think it is Storm. I, Rogue jumps out to me immediately for obvious oh, characters. Oh, she killed Captain Marvel. Great. Right, right, right. Reasons. Yeah. But I, I do think Storm is where I went after Rogue, and I think that does fit the best. I, I think, like, in the way that she inspires people, yes, as well, and also in the way that she's kind of gotten bland. And yes. needs needs to have a some sort of like when, when they took her powers away and she beat Death Incarnate by herself, <laughs> it was like okay maybe we need some sort of fatal flaw here and get back to like a a realistic relatable character. And it was it's really. so it's so interesting that it came off of the heels of we talk about have a flaw or you know the the whole storyline with Phantom X and the giant size that there was something crippling her. And then her drinking problem? No. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> oh. the disease or the you know the oh, oh, disease yeah. That yeah, yeah, that one, that one. And they just <laughs> spent no time on it. Right. And I think it's coming back. I do think that's cool. Well, at least that's storyline. I don't know that it'll involve Storm anymore, to be it quite should. honest. I know. I absolutely think it should. Just because she needs something to be involved in. There yeah, is besides just Marauders genericness she has no um, be in the marauders. Like claustrophobia who remembers yeah. that oh, i do oh i do i loved it every Brit time on her and she's completely worthless uh how about the thor of the x-men hmm. i i actually probably would go rogue here <sighs> she's pretty powerful but she has her own hang-ups that hold her back more i don't I'd go Namor. Yes. Okay. Godlike power. Godlike power, ruler of his own people. Uh, you know that haughty disposition. Yeah, higher than thou. I, yes. Uh, I think. Can I? Can I have one more shot to fit in Rogue? Because yeah. I'm hearing what you're saying. Okay, you take yeah, out the whole no. worthy aspect and like the the fatal flaw there, that element of it. I, I like that element of Rogue where she's like got this like superpower, but. It goes away, kind of like Thor does when he's not worthy, and you know the crippling self doubt sometimes. I don't know. I just which she has. I see it more. No more. It's just like flawless. No, I don't know how to no. describe no, it. No, no, no more's an ass. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's that's kind of the whole point. Is it? I think no more. No more is Thor. If if you want to put it like in context, Thor in like the first Thor movie. That's no more. Yeah, they they both see themselves what they do. I guess my criticism is Marvel's Namor is X-Men's Namor. So like Namor is Namor and he's such <laughs> a big part of the whole universe that he's not really their answer to anything. Yeah, I I do think of Namor as an X-Men because of how much I'm invested in the Utopia era which was a big time for him. But so in that sense I guess if you don't consider him an X-Men that's fair, but I I still do because of that, and I just see so many 
similarities. That, that what I do they, just because I love Namor and I love the X-Men. The, and when they just said, he's a mutant, so he's part of the X-Men, I'm like, okay, I'm buying Sure, it. I'm, I'm all in. It. Yeah. I'm all but in. Just, they both seem like what they do when they're not with their respective teams feels more important to them than what they're doing when they are here. It's It's a blessing that you get me here for it's, the time that you get. It is the idea that the teams they're on are a side gig. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For everyone else, it's life. Yeah, like, yeah. Namor's like, when I'm on the X-Men, yeah, it's what I'm doing when I have free time. This Thor is my is pro like, bono like, work. Okay, Thor showing up for Civil War. He doesn't because, you know, it's my side gig. This isn't important right now. I'm this doing other politics. things. Goodbye. Um. So the last one I got here is who is the X-Men's Iron Man? Forge? That it's the only thing I can think of too, but it, it only fits in the sense of like uh, the of tech of tech. Um, or we're going for like cockiness. I, I'm gonna go Magneto. I that overconfident, oh, we, arrogant, you know, most powerful in some ways, creative yeah, with their abilities, the willingness to create things, and the willingness to realize they've created things that also are going to destroy everyone. I. I, the thought crossed my mind, and then I discarded it because I think my brain said you're just remembering who fought in those issues of Mister Sinister. X-Men. Mister no, no, Sinister. That that. You think no, Sinister? I mean, no, I'm seriously Sinister as Iron Man. As, as Iron Man, in the idea, instead of okay, take tech out, put it as you know, genetics. genetics. Well, I I see what you're saying there, but I I almost feel like. At the end of the day, this is also some bias from the eras of X-Men I've read. Like, Magneto right. has good yeah. intentions in the same way that Iron Man does, despite their flaws. That's why I go him more than Sinister. That's a, that Sinister oh, yeah. is yes, like yes, the yes. darkest That's... timeline twist of, That's of true. Tony. It's if Tony had gone real bad. Well, you know who else goes real bad sometimes? The Hellions. Let's talk about what happened in Hellions number seven. Sinister waxes poetic about the loss of his beloved marauders, even though he's, of course, the one who killed most of them. We learn the resurrection process of those who died on Arako is different from Otherworld. The mutants still come back themselves, but somehow honed for survival in the rougher lands of Arako. The team takes on a mission to retrieve Nanny's ship so they can make new armor for the dangerously resurrected Orphan Maker. And Psylocke defends the obviously murderous Sinister. The reason? It's revealed Sinister has finally hacked Apoth and found the genetic code of every overclock user, including Psylocke's daughter. To kick the mission off, Psylocke intentionally crashes their jet into the enemy base, jettisoning the team in an escape pod, before they face off against the mutant-hating smileys of Cameron Hodge. I love this book. I love everything about it. I think it does action well. I think it does comedy well. It feels like an MCU movie, uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy. It, it is, like we were just talking about, the X-Men's answer to Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Kelsey, did you feel the same way? What stood out to you? Yeah, it's really hard to argue with this, like, Okay, when when I when I read the comics for the week, I try and look at an alternate point to what you guys might come up with. But with this, I know you both love this. It's it's hard not and to love. I loved this. I loved the weird soap opera aspect of Sinister. I like how Sinister is both the comedic relief and reveals us himself as just this absolutely sinister bad guy who's just like, oh yeah, you're going to do everything I say because guess what? I have your daughter's genetic code and if you ever want to have anything to do with her again, you got to do what I want. I love I love the fact that they take um, Orphan Maker or, yeah, and, and they reveal it's like, well, we can't actually bring him back because if we do he will express his X-Gene. And if he doesn't have his armor, apparently whatever his X-Gene is, is so bad, they can't bring him out until he is encased in that armor. Which like, is awesome. It, ma- it made me interested in a character who I care 
nothing about normally. And these last couple issues where they're like, oh, we're going to crack his armor open. That's bad. And then the next issue, they go, yeah, we can't bring him back unless he has his armor. It makes me want to see, okay, what's under the armor? Um, yeah. Like, ev- everything's fired all cylinders. Even yeah. there was a conversation between Havoc and Emma Frost that I was afraid they'd just be like, are you going to have Havoc fall in love with another one of Scott's exes? <laughs> and then it it ended up just being a good heartfelt like you know do what you got to do kind of conversation i went like it just felt like a mutual respect conversation the, the rather character than a growth the character point. growth is great in these yeah i mean yeah. their development as a team even empath it, like has character growth and, and him and gray crow kind of talking to each other and you know it, and by character growth i love that it's because they don't remember <laughs> they don't okay it is it is because they don't remember they don't remember but that's the great second, they, they well, don't remember the second time but they also not they don't remember but all of them are keen to the fact they're like we don't remember but we know this guy has something to yeah. do with it. that's <laughs> that's the best part of it, is that there's no mystery they can't yeah. remember that they were murdered but they all know there's no way they laid down their life for sinister yeah, right. it, yeah. oh it's so funny knowing that like they all know exactly what happened but like what what, what do you do yeah i i love it i, I like the kind of like weird dark humor where they're expecting where they they mention it's like yeah you know, Nanny really wanted to get her egg ship back, but the council wouldn't let her have it back because, you know, she they thought she was just going to take it to go steal kids, which is weird and dark. And you know that because she's got this heightened Araco rebirth where she is just hardcore, you know exactly in the next couple issues, she's probably going to want that ship to go steal children. She's going to viciously defend those children. <laughs> yes. But th- this oh, book... So is it is fantastic because it it doesn't feel like it's tied down to the requirements of the rest of the X-Men books. Because it's not, because they have Orphan Maker and Nanny. Right, no, I know. That's what I mean. Is it it doesn't have the same restrictions, but at the same time, it's not a totally disconnected story. It's not like Juggernaut where it's standing alone on yeah. the other side. It's it's fully involved in the world around it but it's not shackled by having to be something or to fit some narrative. It's just getting to be what it is and what it is is excellent. It's, it's and it develop- has Psylocke and ha- I know we bring up all these yeah. side characters, empath, but it's got Psylocke, Havoc and Sinister. Those are like pretty close to a tier. Well, that's what I mean. They're, de- they're developing with drama, the important characters, but they're giving us, the humor and the the moving of these storylines as well with the B and and C tier characters. And I, I know we talk about this every week that it comes up, but how sinister is just great. They have made a lovable fun character out of a guy that's holding the genetic code of a dead child hostage. Yeah. No, like if I told you that that would make zero sense, but now, you know, that we've read it for seven issues now, it's phenomenal. They have taken a Hitler and made him hilarious. Right, which is I mean, an awful thing yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, like, it's like, how can you admit to being like, man, I can't wait to read that next issue of Hitler Weekly. But, God, he's like, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. Like, you know he is a bad guy. Like, yeah. every every week or every, you know, every month that he comes out, you're just like, I know he's up to no good. But, my goodness, he is great whoever's writing for him in this issue, well, we know who's writing for him, but the the dialogue they have done for him is great. His dialogue with the council. Well, the council is like, oh my gosh, he's so tiresome. He brings the council to life more than anybody else. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no one else is as entertaining as him as maybe like Exodus. Right. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic issue. If you're not reading Hellions, read it. Uh, it really has become the gold standard for uh, the X-Men line. And it's, uh, it's probably one of the few that maintained strength through Ten of Swords. Yeah, that can't and, be said enough for. Because the next you can't issue, find a book that didn't get somewhat worse. Well, X-Factor, X-Factor and Ten of Swords is a non, it's a non-starter. It's just not, it, you may as well not have called it X-Factor. 
Yeah, I agree. But although some of those characters show up in this week's issue, don't they, Kelsey? They show up in it, which allows it to be X Factor, which it gets back on course. X Factor starts out with a fu- with a full reveal of the tape of Wind Dancer dying, finally giving the proof to the five that she is cleared to be resurrected. Obviously, there's questions about whether she can be due to being in Mojo World. Uh, when she is finally resurrected, uh, she is able to fly and join the group. Uh, it brings back Rock Slide as well. Uh, Phoenix, Rachel Summers, uh, using her chronological mind reading, realizes that Rock Slide is, in effect, a week old. He's brought back as an infant. So all the weirdness and stuff that they, they've been talking about, that he's not complete, it's not that he's not complete, it's just that he is an infant. Uh, a party, or they decide to have a party for Windancer coming back. With that party, uh, groups of new mutants, uh, X-Factor, etc. meet at the Boneyard. Uh, relationships ensue between Aurora and Dakin. Uh, Aurora and Jean-Pierre Northstar um, realize that they can once again touch and release the Aurora Borealis. Uh, and uh, by the end of it, there is a scream... And Siren has fallen to her death. When gone to investigate, the question emerges, how has Siren fallen to her death when she can fly? Yeah, uh, another strong issue from X Factor. What was your take on it, Dan? I love this book. I really do. I don't know if it's just because it fills the the niche of... The noir. The noir yeah, of, the, of yes. the murder mystery thing. Right. It may be that. Um, it may be the hodgepodge of characters. Cause I mean, we talk about Hellions and how they have some, some real C tier, but they do have Havoc and Psylocke. And I don't know, like who are the A tier people here? Like Polaris, North Star. I mean, no, even they're not even A tier. Those are no, not nobody. That's what I'm people. saying. Nobody, nobody is. And I just, I, I love what this book is. I it's, it's got a big juxtaposition because it is a younger team that's kind of still finding its way but i love the the mystery aspect of it and i love this book explores what what i mean resurrection that's a huge change for the x-men in the last hey just so we're clear dak and totally bone north star's sister yeah oh 100 100 just just to be clear there have been a lot of things i'm not clear of from the art i'm 100 percent clear of that i'm 100 percent clear i I love that this because resurrection is a huge change for the X-Men. If you didn't read X-Men comics for, you know, two years ago, this is enormous change. And this book really explores what that means, not just from like mechanically, how does it work, but how do you deal with that as a culture, as a people, as a nation? What are the, you know, what steps do you have to take? What does it mean to be resurrected? Paul, to get, to get back to this culture idea, this issue itself, I mean, my recap was reasonably short because those were main bullet points. But if you haven't read it, you got to read it because it's the little parts in this that, that lend to that Krakoan culture more than anything else for them. That it, 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 taking Rock Slide in, they take Rock Slide in, they realize it's like Rock Slide is an infant. So they just go slow with Rock Slide to say, hey, Krakoa will build you a house if you want it, but until then, you can stay here all you want. They're talking with the younger mutants. They're, I mean, it is more... I, I'd almost say it's more new mutants than new mutants. Um, it, that, has that, that, it has that vibe sometimes. It does. It's the, it's the younger group, and they're, like, dealing with daily life a little bit. It, it, it is more of the, you know... Uh, Watch out, you're making it sound like the boy meets world of X-Men. It is, but, okay, it it, it is in a way, with more murder. (laughs) (laughs) But with that idea that, you know, the younger people are involved, the younger people, oh my god, Um, but the young mutants are more involved, they deal with simple things like, they make iBoy legit. Okay. He has to watch people make out uncomfortably. No, more than that. He okay. closed his eyes. He was respectful. 
But the X Men. No, he didn't. Look at those eyes. They're peering right towards it. Anyways, the Dakin. Dakin is a character who's been in Dark Avengers. You know, a bad guy. You know, he's having the conversation where it's like, you know, I guess, I guess iBoy's just really a nice guy. You know, he's flabbergasted by the idea of someone being genuinely nice. And Polaris having the, the normal realization, like a realization that she goes, you know what? He had a good upbringing and he's just a nice person. He's not, he doesn't have the hangups in, in the differences of their upbringings and stuff like that, but acknowledging them. It's. There are a lot of little moments in this book that I yeah. don't think can be encapsulated in a recap. They can't. That we, you just couldn't do it justice. I, I think it's well worth uh, the read. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tone book where if you're into the tone, I think that adds a lot to it because like you said, the the drama is kind of juxtaposed really well with like that zany teenagery kidness yeah. to it. But they're um, not overly zany either. I mean, yeah, it's it's not, got it's not sinister zany. It's not that over the top <laughs> dark humor. It's the little nuances in between. I you know? I will say I think the moment that I really appreciated being added to this though was the moment of Emma. I know I've spoken about this yeah. before on, on the podcast, but it it means a lot to me when people go out of their way to remind you that Emma is an educator of children. That well, before before an X Men, before a, a ruler of Krakoa and everything, she is she's she's a teacher. She loves she's kids. Not, she's and not why she does it. She's not evil. She's you know she's not she can be hard, right? You know, oh, but, certainly. But but it is the idea of she is really trying to get them ready for the world. And that that scene, it didn't have to be there. And if you didn't no. put it in there, it wouldn't have felt like, oh, they like how did they miss this? But putting it in there, it just makes me look at it and really appreciate writers who who know the characters that they're writing, remember who these people are and where they come from and making sure that we know that. That is a is a as an old reader, we can appreciate it. And as a new reader, you do get a sense of who that is. Yeah. Little things like that. You take them out. It doesn't hurt, but you add them and it, uh, it's gives it life. It's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. And, yeah. and you really, it speaks to both of these issues. It's refreshing to get them after 10 of swords. Very much so. I mean, after 10, 10 of swords where there's confusion, you know, you know, we harped on it enough. This was really nice to get back to. Yep. This, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to have the overarching big storyline necessarily. If you want to do all these smaller self-contained stories, if you do them well, you don't need you the can math. leave it there. You if don't you need do world it well. ending drama. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The thing with Ten of Swords was the main three issues weren't bad. By any means. No. Like they were they were done well. The problem is when you get the extra parts and the extra fill-ins, you force things on people and you they're not telling the story they want to tell. It showed. And you're right. It was great to get these weeks back. The writers had an idea of what they wanted to do. It was fun. It felt true to the yeah. series. Like and, X, I, and I cared about the X, characters. X Factor is murder mystery. You know? Yeah. I mean, Hellions hung on fine for Ten of Swords because they still got to do what they want because they're basically told you could tell, hey, Ten of Swords is happening. You can take part in it, kind of, but you're not really a part of it. That was, it's so true, the Sinister. Everything about, like, even the way the book dodged, they're like, we're part of it. Like, on the, like, if you ask the council, they're a part of Ten of Swords, but, like, r really, it's just a Sinister getting some clone, like, DNA. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it, it just felt perfect and true to the characters the whole way through. Yeah, I, I, we mentioned it, that it was one of the few books that felt like it it stepped up. It got better, or at the very least, you know, continued what it was. It didn't have a backslide. And I, I think both of these, it was so nice to get to get back to the X-Men, not, not being forced into the story uh, that was, you know, kind of laid out as the crossover. Dane, you think if you go back and read those first issues, you might like them a little more? Of Hellions? Yeah. I don't know. I probably well, it's should. Like, 
what what did we talk about when Hellions that first arc ended? Even Dane was saying it's like okay, that's good that they 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 took four whatever issues. This is their arc. Boom! It was just to basically introduce the characters. It was dark and stuff like that, horror, and now they're moving on from that. Yeah, because you know, but, I, I, but it was an introduction thing. They asked a good question too, with the with the idea of like, okay, who gets to really be brought back? Who counts as human or or rather mutant to be brought back? Because you know, uh, uh, a Malin Pryor didn't get brought back like that, and she, you know, she poses that question of. Why don't I get to be brought back? Because I'm a clone. I probably should. I probably should go back and read that because, as much as I didn't like the first three issues, the next four or whatever have just been beyond tremendous. Well, so in, the, in the first, it strikes three, like me as said, difficult to believe that there could be that big of a, a gap between but, them. So, but it's, probably but it's just like me. you even said it though, because the three first three issues, you're like, uh, you know, that fourth issue hits though. And it kind of justifies the previous yeah. three. We're like, oh, okay, that's the point you're leading up to. That's the weirdness. It's an introduction thing with a question, and then you go on from there. So a, you know, a little off, a little off topic of that, but Kelsey, I wanted to pose something to you that Quentin and I talked about. Gene is on the council at the beginning mm. of this issue. That's right. Yes. Is that a mistake? Because in Ten of Swords, they said She's if not you a- go. Anyone that goes on this mission is off the council. It's the reason Nightcrawler doesn't go. I I I would bet it is a mistake from editing principle, but you could easily put it into character principle of saying, "Yeah, we didn't really mean it." That's what I it, mean. I mean, you well, could easily you go it's like, "Listen, say... guys, we know why you did it." You're back. It's okay. Everyone's okay. It it could be a thing where, like, to to, like you finish your term out. Sure. It it may wind up being a until we find the replacement. You you continue. Or hold up, hold up. You go with the other thought is you got your big picture of councils. I mean, if if I'm going deep diving into it, Apocalypse is gone. Therefore, you say, well, Gene, you're going to take his spot. Well, I, I've got the real thing that I, this is official. It actually wasn't Jean Grey. It was just Mystique. So nothing. Oh, nothing okay. To so she has two spots. She has two spots Okay. But in the very next panel, Mystique is sitting next to Exodus. So I don't know if yeah. she's like jumping She's back real fast. <laughs> On Krakoa, anything can happen. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Just like uh, the end of the year is coming closer, you know, we wrapped up Tennis Swords. We wrapped up Dawn of X. We're getting ready to start this Reign of X. I'm not sure what the official launch of that is, whether it was this week or not. But um, I want to take some time to reflect on the great books that we've had, the the rougher books we've had, and give out the second annual examination awards, the examies. These awards uh, are probably the most important awards handed out um, in 2020. Uh, a, a panel goes over them, consisting of me uh, and well, and so a panel goes over them, and uh, we we dig through the books. A we find the best moments, the best characters, the best writers, the best artists, and we decide. And what is factual? Not not it's it's purely objective. What the best. Uh, best parts of the x-men world nope, are. You guys ready to jump into it? let's do it let's do it all right so the categories are i'll go over the categories and i'll have them read the nominees so best artist best writer best limited series or one shot best new series best character arc best moment and best ongoing so those are our categories and reading the first category best artist date Rainier. The nominees for this year's Best Artist. Phil Noto, Cable. Lionel Yu, X-Men. Pepe Larraz, Ten of Swords. Here, here. Carmen Canero, Hellions. 
and Russell Donnerman, giant size Jean Grey, Emma Frost, and giant size. Uh, any any predictions, guys? Um, Bevula Raz, Ten of Swords. Yeah, I don't remember who it went to last year, but I, I, I actually love all of these. They were all. I, it's all good art, but yeah. I think if it wasn't for Pepe being here, I would actually give it to to Dodderman. I do like that that comic style, but man, I just Loraz has been killing it since Hickman's X Men. Yeah. All right. Who's the winner, Dan? And the winner is Russell Dodderman. Yeah, I I went giant what a size snub. Snub. I went back. I went back and looked, and just. Uh, every panel pops in those giant, those two giant size books he did. And to be honest, I didn't necessarily know that the writing was like exceptional, but like he really did. Like, well, one of them barely has any writing, you know. To be fair though, yeah, that giant size Jean Grey and Emma Frost, I remember us reviewing it, talking about how fascinating it was that they were explaining through the art itself two linked psychics. Yeah, this like I that, say that, that itself was was. Impressive. I know I'm saying it about the first category, but man, that was a stacked category. That may be the hardest. It was. That may be the hardest. Like I love the expressions yeah. and Cable and how much the art contributed to the visual storytelling of the dialogue. Like um, Hellions, I feel like has been solid. Like if like Hellions kind of has that art style that's consistent, but like perfect art to me. If you yeah, if if any of these five won it, it wouldn't be a surprise to me. Yep. Uh moving on to best writer. Maybe we'll get a surprise on this one. Kelsey, would you read the nominees for best writer? Best writer in a comic book category. Jonathan Hickman, X-Men and Ten of Swords. Gary Duggan, Marauders and Cable. Benjamin Percy, X-Force and Wolverine. So X-Force and Wolverine and Wolverine. Zeb Wells, Hellions, Fabian Nijeska or Nijeska. Yeah. Okay. Juggernaut, Leah Williams, X Factor, Teeny Howard, Excalibur, and Ten of Swords. Prediction? Who do you guys think? I'm going Juggernaut on this based on it, it's you've got your what three or four issues right there in a in a segment. Um, you could say Zeb Wells Hellions. I mean, I think that that is a legit question. I wouldn't give it to Heck Hickman. I, I don't know. It's it's hard because what, what Hickman is dealing with is a much broader story. Duggan <laughs> with, you know, Marauders was not really Marauders during this arc. Cable was Cable was great. And X-Force and Wolverine was Wolverine over and over again. <laughs> X-Factor wasn't even... In, I mean, unless you're counting this week's issues. I don't know. Let's hear it, I Dave. would maybe... It's weird that I'm looking at Duggan and thinking that recently Cable has been stronger as Marauder, than Marauders. Because I know I, I've been kind of the Marauders poster child. Yeah, Cable has been stronger than Marauders. You wouldn't be right. I could... There's a part of me that wants to go Wells or Williams for, but I think those are really Hellions and X Factor will duke it out in best new series. So yeah. I, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Duggan. I think between Ooh. Marauders and Cable. Ooh, it's Duggan. All right, go ahead and uh, reveal. I don't Duggan. Oh, see, I don't agree with that. So there, there are a few issues that stood out for me that are potentially, arguably, some of the strongest issues. There was an issue right after um, we got out of like the quarant, like when they first started redoing the comics again, right? And Marauders came back. There's this awesome panel of Emma Frost, and just like the way they like showed the wrath of Emma after Kate died was really strong to me. And Cable overall has just been solid. Now yeah. I'll say <laughs> this: I picked the winner of this um before the two like the marauders issues of ten of swords really um came out the one where wolverine stabs or whatever yeah like that was a pretty weak issue but overall just with the cable and uh there's a little bias there because it's two books 
Yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, that's that's putting out. Not, but, but he's work. still the writer. He's still the writer yeah. in this this time period. That's not an issue. It, it, it is funny. Two books look. could also mean one of those books could hurt him tremendously. Right. It yeah. is. It is odd to look at it though, because in my head, I'll be honest with you, I still don't think of the Ten of Swords books as belonging to those book categories. I know yeah. I should, especially for writer, because Duncan wrote them. You know, good or bad, they are attributed to him. But it's they're just so. Well, he co-wrote them with Ben Percy. That's true. They're just so disconnected, though. I just. None of them, for any of the books, do I look at and think that was Marauders or See, that was X-Men or that was Cable sort of thing. And I know I'm a Juggernaut guy. Except for Hellions. But yeah. the writing in Juggernaut, I thought, was yeah. spectacular. It has I, continued I, to be good. Not a single issue did I go, oh, yeah, this is a waste of my time. I, I guess it's a, a valid... Uh, explanation i i just went with um i think the num the raw number of issues in yeah, the, that's true. the heights of cable have been higher for me than the heights of juggernaut i think juggernaut's excellent don't get me wrong but um i the fun that i had with cable without getting you know i know you guys are big on x factor but i get fun with cable without losing that edge i don't think x factor had enough ish- issues well yeah. that's got to be held against juggernaut too though that's true that's that's fair yeah because but I, Speaking X of limited issues. That... <laughs> Segway. Quentin. Quentin. Yeah, so the, the next category is best limited series or one shot. All right, best limited series or one shot. Oh, no no problem. Juggernaut four times. I don't know why you're asking. The nominees no, are Fantastic Four X-Men, <laughs> Juggernaut, Ten of Swords, Empire X-Men, Giant Size X-Men. And the winner is? It better be Juggernaut. If not, I'm going to come over and beat you personally. <laughs> it is Juggernaut. Yeah, <laughs> of course This one wasn't really close. Giant Size no. could have, I yeah. think. The art was strong enough to carry it pretty far, but I think the, the issue with Nightcrawler didn't really do it for me. <laughs> no. I will say this. The only one that Magneto I think could compete with me. Juggernaut. at this. So I guess if you look at Ten of Swords and like skim away a lot, and just get to like the bones of it. <laughs> if you carve the trash from right, it, right. You, you you could say okay, there you know it's it's a grandiose story, and there were some things done right, and there were epic moments. Giant size for me, the highs are higher than Juggernaut, but I don't think you could ignore the lows. Yeah, the lows are rough, and so I would have I I, I would have also gone Juggernaut here. Yeah, so this was a unanimous, huh? Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. All right, well, let's see if that continues. Best new series, Kelsey. Best new series by a comic book are <laughs> Hellions, Cable, X Factor, and Wolverine. And the winner is <laughs> Hellions, naturally. Because yeah, I mean, I know you guys are pretty big on X Factor, but for me, this one, I, I'm, I'm. It's hard because I'm also big on K- I thought Cable was is yeah. really good. Um that that solo kind of exploration of a character. Um X Factor, I love that murder mystery stuff. The deciding factor I feel though, why I agree with Hellions is Hellions held strong through the arc of Ten of Swords. Now, I think that was entirely due to the fact that Hellions was not wanted for ten of swords and just had to sort of be there but doesn't that just feel right <laughs> yeah there's like hey um i know your issues are coming out during this arc uh here are some bullet points it has to involve Araco. okay we're gonna physically be in Araco. good news we're done if you can tie in these grotesque mutant mutants so much yeah. the better yeah I- I I also like felt the same way where Cable was close to me, but I felt like Cable because he's been so present in other books didn't feel like a new book. It, if fair. if I were to defend X Factor, and I'm not going to say I even necessarily disagree with this, is again the idea of not being able to just discount 
the parts that I didn't enjoy. And for seven issues of Hellions, there's about three issues that, that you didn't enjoy. I said, go back and me. read them. You shut your mouth. And that's fair. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong and but, I need to go back. But to me, that's half of Hellions. X Factor, though. X Factor is awesome, awesome, awesome. Ten of Swords happens. They do an X Factor issue, maybe two of them, and you're going. Other than the fact that someone from X Factor shows up and runs their mouth, this is not an X Factor issue. And that's and like I not said, in, in my head, anything that ha- you, yeah, and so maybe maybe that does speak to the strength of Hellions because in my head, anything that happened during Ten of Swords, I don't attribute to the individual books, except Hellions because it continued to be good and continued it continued to be, to be yeah, it continued to be so, itself. So like I said, I'm I'm. There's no fit to be thrown here. I think this is no. a, a perfectly acceptable one. Other than Wolverine not getting this Well, let, let's get into some more controversial stuff here, and let's go best character arc. The nominees are Cyclops, Apocalypse, Gorgon, Cypher, Captain Britain, Magic, Cable. Okay, I, I'm actually interested in this. What uh, what do you guys think? Because I've got an idea of who I think has a great character arc here. I think the obvious lead candidates would be Is Cyclops Apocalypse. and Apocalypse. Yeah, I, I don't pick them, though. I think Gorgon has a great moment, but I don't know that there was a nope. great arc. Yep. It was just a great moment. Cypher, I still don't understand what the arc is. Yeah, there's no arc for Cypher. That's that's dumb. Cap- if he wins, <laughs> Captain Britain is no, no. There's, oh, there, there's a a big no. moment. Yeah, but I also don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Just because she randomly acted. Magic has no character. Correct. We realize Magic has no character arc here. Yes, Magic's been awesome, but it hasn't been an arc. Cable to me is the best character arc. He Cable would be my dark horse, and only because he really, especially in the last, the last issue, where he really gets into the idea of it's like you know I just kind of I'm here to impress my dad. If you know that's that, true. that 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 type of I'm here to impress my dad, and I failed. I am sorry, father. If I what, were a betting know, man, I think Cable would give you the best. I don't think he has the best odds, but he's the one that it's like, all right, he's far enough down because Cyclops and Apocalypse are the heavy favorites that you can really make some money on it. I cable. think he has the true emotional arc yeah. of it. I, like, okay, I have the physical abilities to beat anyone. I fail because I care for my friend. I feel def- destroyed because I failed my people and my father. And, and it does and help that we kind of just got that at the end. It, it does. It does. It's the most recent appearance of it because, but it helps because the whole early parts of his arc are, I'm the baddest guy here. I'm awesome. I'm banging five girls at once. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then you hit this point where you're like, <laughs> Oh, he has serious doubts about who he is. And all those doubts came crashing into him. And he realizes, okay, I had all this highs, and now I'm at my lowest of lows. Well, you guys have talked about it a lot, and you're right on. The winner is Cable. Boom. Dark Horse. I, I, so, I'm not mad. No, not at all. Like, I, I liked Apocalypse's arc. I liked that they fleshed him out to have more than just survival of the fittest. You know, that, that it's deeper than that. He, Apocalypse did feel like he got a, a truncated version of the Magneto treatment. You know what I yeah. mean? That they've been this villain for so long. Why and what makes them redeemable? And we got a little bit of that. But it is a much shorter, compacted version. Right. I, I'll say my thought process was, one, Cyclops won it last year. And everybody called me an idiot. And we're like, no, he's the same person as always, except for more generic. And I'm like, no, he's different. Like, he's spending time with his family. Like, he's more open-minded. Like, he's a different character. And I think, although we saw that manifested in Ten of Swords, I think the work was done earlier in Dawn of X to show yes. that. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't go with Cyclops, uh, but I do have to say... Uh, I had that prediction that he would be awesome last year. Uh, Apocalypse. I actually counted a little bit about it because uh, against him, because 
he didn't really feel like the same Excalibur apocalypse necessarily. Okay. Yeah, like, like, connect between that juncture. Yeah, like like you had a lot of screen time with him where he wasn't worried about his family and stuff and like sacrificing for another nation. It was more about I just want to experiment on things. To be fair though, that was to create the gate which would allow him to get there to then do whatever family stuff he had to do. And I you know, maybe his arc has been bigger, but it also it's one of those things kind of like Moira where like they basically retconned him as well to get this to work. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, but Cable, I, Kid Cable I, yeah. was a character I had zero interest in. And I was like, this is stupid whenever I first saw it. And now I love it. Yeah. And I, I don't want Cable back. Never, never give me old man Cable again. I love. Uh, you, okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that arc, the even meeting with the king of Staten Island, Deadpool. I mean, yeah. just little <laughs> things where it's like, I'm Kid Cable, but I mean with Old Man Cable's best friend or self, you know, self-appointed best friend who has his corpse sitting there. I mean, there were there were enough little moments in his comic that were entertaining. And then, like I said, like Dane was mentioning, the very end of it, where it's like it all comes. It came at the right time. You realize like, oh, yeah, OK, like you've built up this attitude and then just smashed it he he put out his oscar winner right in time yeah he did he did it was right at the end right when the judges were starting to make their opinions and then you're yep. like oh yeah it's the most recent fresh in the time. mind you could yeah. say picked his best moment moment just like uh this next category does the best moment guys ten of swords is over don of x is over we have so much to reflect on what are the nominees for best moment best moment in a comic series during the ten of swords are and Don Colossus, of X. second half of Don of X. Don, no, oh yeah, I guess okay. Colossus versus Train X Force, Magneto versus Kotatl X Men, Summoner Betrayal Ten of Swords Genesis, Wolverine versus Summoner Question Mark Wolverine Phantom X in the World Giant Size Phantom X, Kate Pride Death Marauders James Braddock's New Cape Excalibur. And the winner is any guesses? Um, yeah, Dane. I mean, yes. I mean, Quentin. First, knows I mean, that. you know, Dane wants Phantom X in the world, but I also don't think that that's. I am going to pick Phantom X in the world with you. I think it's Cape Pride Death, though. I, 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 if I'm actually picking, I'm going to go uh, Magneto versus the Gotati. That was okay. a huge. I mean, like he, he was the force, man. Those moments were all really great. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but right, right. there's only one moment. Train. I don't know why I even. There's only one moment that really okay. just embodied the X Men completely <laughs> and know? really just showcased a classic X Men. Oh my god! I got I got ahead of myself. I know. <laughs> I I was at these going, and then I I I should have realized when I saw Colossus versus Train. <laughs> the winner would be hey uh how did he stop that train with it was with I, his bare hands quentin it was I with his bare so, russian hands soviet it, strong i don't know how i i read through the nominees before we started the show and i and thought we still myself, missed it. Yeah, i know yeah. it's going to be this one and somehow he, he fitted in at like seven i got into my head and just forgot <laughs> god yeah that's our fault that's our that, fault that's on us that's we're on us, man I'm sorry. I want to apologize to you. I, I want to remind everybody: this is a subjective award ceremony. Objective, objective. No yeah, subjective. no. I think you Freudian slipped correctly. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right, and the final category of the 2020 examies: best, best ongoing, ongoing series, X Men, New Mutants, X Force, Hellions, Cable, X Factor. Excalibur, Marauders, Wolverine. Well, it's got to be Excalibur, right? <laughs> right? Don't, don't you hey, put when, when Fallen we... Angels can't be on it. Yeah, it, I was wondering, can it. we put Fallen Angels back on here? Can the no, best one going be the fact that it's not Fallen Angels? <sighs> yeah, um, I guess they could all celebrate that they're not Fallen Angels. I'm going to go with X-Factor, by the way, is best ongoing. X-Factor. Wait, what? X-Factor is going to be the best ongoing. No. 
You think New Mutants? Whether it is or it isn't, I know Quentin didn't put it there. What do you think it would be? I think... What do you think pound for pound has the best going for it? So I don't know because I think I'm looking at X-Men through rose-colored glasses after how good Cyclops, Gene, Cable... As a, well, as a whole family dynamic. What you're been. dealing with X-Men is you almost take the best parts of some of the other comics that have them in it. Well, there's That's also the crucible that. issue is really good. Yeah. There have been good, really good moments. Single, I don't know. Single issues though is not best ongoing, but X-Men is all single issues. <laughs> like That's, that's the problem. You can't, I mean, are you treating X-Men as the over arc or just X-Men? I don't think it's, I don't think it's, Excalibur, I don't think it's Wolverine. Thank you. As good as it's been, I don't think it's Cable. I think Marauders. I think Hellions and X Factor both need to get a couple more issues under their belt. Yeah, but I've really enjoyed New Mutants, but part of the problem is I don't know what it means to be New Mutants anymore. It's been so long with like a real New Mutants issue. Yeah. Yeah. This is tough because X Factor. It's this is tough because of what where it's coming after Ten of Swords and everything sort of losing its identity. Am I supposed but to be reading this one? I'm going to say X-Men. Am I supposed to be reading this? Did you, re- you read this one? I read this one. I read you this read this one. one. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm I'm going to say X-Men, but I I could be totally wrong. And when somebody gives X-Factor. the argument. Screw, screw Quentin. It's X-Factor. You don't know what he's talking about. I Okay, so before you reveal, I just wanted to say this was really hard. And I even had to think about like best new issues and like, what makes an ongoing my favorite book? And part of that's like what I'm excited to see in oh, the future as well. You and Cable. So coming out. Go, go ahead. We'll go ahead and flip it, my man. It, oh, it is ah! Cable. <laughs> best arc and best series. I just thought about artwork, writing, exciting, fun. Like it just was everything for me. I like can, if I, I could can... read one book, I think it would be Cable. I can, I can get with that. Cause I really, I enjoyed Cable too. And like, Quentin was kind of alluding to it sets up sword and all this stuff. It is a fun issue. It has good character growth. The interaction with some of the sub tier, like, like the, the cuckoos and stuff. Yeah. That stuff, like the weird dating aspect with the cuckoos is hilarious to read. Every time he brings it up. I will say another thing that is big for cable. I, I know that like, we've talked about how they, are in Ten of Swords, but what they are setting up to Ten of Swords, Cable felt the most natural and real. Like him having the sword felt like that could have been a storyline regardless of Ten of Swords. Cable held on just like um, just like Hellions did, but and I will give it to Cable that it held on being in Ten of Swords. Yeah, it, like Hellions was in it, but it was it, it was it was adjacent to. Like, I it was bought in the world. I much like Cable in the contest, it survived the battle. Right. Yeah. I, I I bought the Light of Galador storyline as a legitimate Cable storyline, and then it was like, okay, he's got a sword. This makes sense. It's going to fit into Tennis Swords. A lot of the other ones were just like, okay, I guess we have to watch Wolverine go to hell to get a sword or something. For so this makes sense. Like Cable does, Cable does fit, and I I've said it several times. And I, I'm not mad. Who's the biggest loser of 2020 out of these books? I think it's, I hate bringing it down again, but I think it's Excalibur. If I don't no, think it's the biggest loser though, because I think I, it had the lowest start out of these books. But I think, I think it had, it became the book with yeah. the crossover. Like it had the power of being the featured storyline. And it just, which puts it under a microscope again, and it's just like it oh. did have a good. It had one issue you guys liked, the Captain Avalon issue. Yeah, it no, it has moments. I'm not saying it's it, nothing is Fallen Angels. You know what I mean? There was yeah, little to nothing redeemable. Fantastic Four X Men was pretty close. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. But so there there are books out there that have had where I look at them and I'm just like, I just have no fond memories of that, and that's not true of a. I think X Force got hurt a lot this year. I would agree with that. I think it, 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 it might have fallen the hardest. I almost because for me it went from like top three, maybe even top to right. like. It's almost as if X Force did not really happen this year. 
It just it was Wolverine. It was well, used also, Wolverine they made me madder than ever. Because remember, they had those X Force tie in issues where they had the Cerebro sword and it had nothing to do with. Oh, nothing. that's true. <laughs> nothing. Uh, the, the whole uh, the, the whole Colossus is a traitor stuff. Yeah. 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 They uh, had all uh, these tennis sword crosses. <laughs> like, it's like these are tie ins to tennis sword. I forgot about that entirely. Yeah, they hinted at that thing hard being in it, where there's like Cerebro Sword. Here's a sword. Path to hey, Tennis Swords. Like, oh, okay. oh, yeah, that's right. It was an actual Path to Tennis Swords issue. Dude, you know how Captain Avalon, if you look at Captain Avalon's, uh, his costume, I had a secret theory that Colossus was Captain Avalon. Because I, I saw the tin of swords destruction, you know, I and I was so out. like caught up on the fact that it was like, well, they've been tying the X Factor's tie like part of tin of swords pretty hard. I guess he probably is the the next sword or whatever. <laughs> well, I gotta say, overall, it looking back on the year that we've had and stuff, it it reminds me that there have been some great moments, and it's amazing to see how many Xbox there are. I know that we get critical sometimes, but man, you have so many options of cool X-Men stuff to read. And I don't remember the last time that was true. Oh, it's been decades. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. It's, it's a different era. I won't say that it's perfect. Obviously we have our criticisms stuff, but we're lucky that we have the amount and the quality of material to talk about week to week. There's almost as many X-Men books as there are Marvel outside of X-Men books. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Uh, That's about all the time we got for this week. Thanks for bearing with us. Uh, We can't wait till next week as we continue this ride and learn more about the reign of X. See you next time. Hi, and thanks for listening to the Examination Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, write us a five-star Omega-level review that would make us mutant and proud. We would really appreciate it. Me and the guys love Talking Nerd, and we want you to be a part of the conversation as well. If you have any topics you want to discuss, questions to ask, or suggestions for the Marvel 20 Questions Danger Room segment, you can always get connected with us. Email us at q.examination at gmail.com. Remember, examination is E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can also follow us on our Twitter handle, at examination spelled the same way or visit our website examination.blogspot.com thanks again for listening we love having you be a part of our community and we can't wait to hear from you see you next week